0: Hello and welcome to the first review episode of Never Onside. Hi, this is your host Joseph, and joining me as usual is Mayur Chopdekar. We have had a very interesting opening game week in the Premier League, and um, uh, there has been some surprising results, some um, you know smashing uh, debuts, and uh, some great performance throughout uh, the league. So, uh, hi, Mayur.
1: Hi, Joseph. How are you? How was the weekend?
0: Oh, it was amazing. We were waiting for Premier League to start for a long while now. And finally, we can say football is really back. Yes,
1: football is really back. And it was a fun weekend. Enjoyed every bit of it. Seeing all the teams back in action, finally. After the pre-season, it was a bit dicey here and there. But finally, good to have real football back.
0: Yep. So uh, let's move on to the uh, first part of the uh, podcast uh, where we discuss uh, the social media banter uh, and uh, the um, results of the week. So, yes. <laughs> this is a typical Jorgen clock after uh, disappointing result. Maybe this is how um, <clears throat> all the top managers uh, kind of protect. Their team, uh, they become the headline, not their team. Uh, you have seen it through um, Alex Ferguson, through Mourinho. Uh, it's always the manager who uh, who dominates the uh, headlines once the team has a disappointing result. And uh, the social media, uh, you know, took over this, and uh, we had our fair uh, share of laughs on this, right? <laughs>
1: definitely definitely it was fun to see we had seen the german teams as of now doing a bit of banter here and there they were quite in the news always but this is the second time after i remember correctly chelsea did a, a thing where they took all the uh, messages from brighton for kukurea and they turned ah. it into a social media post yeah, yeah. so this is something again coming from the english sides this is always fun to see how creative they get with their social media banters and at the end of the day, is a game of engagements, and they successfully got it.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so, uh, moving forward, uh, we'll be talking about the uh, results of the game week. Uh, we had um, a couple of surprising results. And also, uh, some of them were as we expected. For example, United, uh, we all expected that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it yeah. was so something it's... Yeah, so uh, it was a uh, crazy game. We can let's start from the top, uh, where the season opener happened at Selhurst Park. Uh, with Crystal Palace, um, you know, hosting Arsenal. Um, this was a very anticipated match, especially because Arsenal had a very good uh, pre-season. And we were um, absolutely excited to uh, see what Arteta had planned. And this was kind of an opening match in which you would definitely expect Arsenal to lose because it was against Crystal Palace. Even I think last season they had, um, um, you know, started off um, on the back foot after a defeat. So uh, we were absolutely excited to see Arsenal. At the same time, Crystal Palace is an opponent uh, who would. Um, Usually disappoint the top team. So, this was a great match. The first 15 minutes was amazing from Arsenal. You could see what the blueprint was. Casaballas um, could not live with the Arsenal uh, friend for uh, initially. And, um, uh, you know, Jesus and Sinchenko has just slaughtered in perfectly for Arsenal. Uh, the only problem which I could see is that. Uh, what happened after the first 15 minutes? There was a drop off definitely after the uh, second uh, in the second half, um, and this is expected from uh, like we discussed from the last uh, podcast that this is except expected from a very young side who will eventually get used to you know um, uh, having the ways of attacks and defending well, and that will eventually happen. Right now. Um, This is such a positive sign for Atleta because the way how they kept the clean sheet. Uh, Ramsdale was amazing. And uh, in the second half, even though uh, the Crystal Palace fans were reeling the the ball into the Arsenal um, uh, goalposts, they stood their ground. They decided to, you know... Uh, stand their ground which we have not seen uh, in the past with Arsenal and that shows that a, uh, a character building process is also happening in Arsenal and the likes of bodyguard uh, uh, being captain might be also a result of this like uh, Teta would want uh, resilient side more than anything. Yeah, so what was your take on this?
1: So you put it perfectly uh, the first 30-35 minutes even Carragher mentioned, it looked like a side... like It looked like the it was Liverpool or City who were playing the first 30-35 minutes. Yeah. Very seamless in their transitions, in using the space, in coming... The attack was very good. And as you mentioned, in the second half, they lost a bit of track, uh, which is expected again. Uh, young side coming through the ranks. Uh, but again, as we know, uh, William Saliba, who was a rock at the back and after his long-awaited debut... Uh, for Arsenal, he showed why he was a good player and why he deserved that center back spot for him. So, you mentioned most of the points. Uh, again, Ramsdale was very good. Uh, a good uh, just I wanted to point out, uh, Zaha was acting as the main outlet for uh, like for every counter attack for uh, Crystal Palace. But Ben White, uh, who uh, usually plays in the center back but was playing at the right back spot, uh, we definitely saw how he controlled Zaha and how he kept him. In limits, uh, he was troubling a bit, uh, but uh, overall, White took control very well. And it's a, it's something you should upload uh, applaud because everyone went to Saliba, everyone was like, Yeah, Saliba was the man of the match, understood. But even Ben White had a g- major role to play on that right hand side and to block Zaha throughout the game, yeah, yeah
0: definitely. Um, uh, so, uh, this uh, is the Fulham versus Liverpool match, which we would be discussing next, and uh, I would say this match was the surprise package of game week one, uh, especially uh, because uh, everyone ex- expected Liverpool to blow away uh, Fulham, uh, because uh, to be fair, we expect uh, all the uh, we actually expected all the three uh, newcomers to you know find it tough in the Premier League. But uh, Fulham were amazing, man. Like, uh, you could see that, um, you know, (laughs) I heard uh, Gary Neville say that. Uh, Fulham did what Liverpool would do to any side. Like, they had more aggression. They had more passion. They were hunting for the ball. They were pressing when required. They were brilliant. And um, this is what the Premier League throws at us. Some surprise packages. And Mitrovic was... You know, again, the catalyst. Um, I had my doubts with uh, him because even the last two times, you know, you could see that he wasn't performing uh, in the level uh, in which he was doing in the championship. Uh, but uh, this was an um, amazing reminder of how beautiful the Premier League is.
1: Yes. So, as you mentioned, Mitrovic, first of all, he played very well, uh, coming back to help it out like uh, in... In the midfield, uh, running onto the uh, Liverpool's goalpost, and again he always saw like he always attacked the wider areas. Like he moved to a bit wider wider areas eventually because he knew it wasn't very easy to go past Van Dijk. So it was very good movement and mm-hmm. smart movement. As for Fulham, they uh, played in a 4-4-2 and mid-block, uh, and they made it really difficult for Liverpool Liverpool to pass through the half spaces and lines which eventually frustrated liverpool in the first half and uh, if i remember correctly his name is pal right uh, who had the best 45 minutes against liverpool he had 24 mm. touches he he won most of the uh, duels his ground duels his aerial duels and he was just a treat to watch and, and he set an example how a midfielder should play against a liverpool side in future, for other big teams as well. So yes, overall very happy with Fulham. Uh, even the fans were happy, and this is something their yeah. fans will be confident about in the upcoming matches, where they can give a tough uh, fight to any of other team who can who comes to Craven Cottage. Yeah. Um,
0: so Bournemouth also had a, a very good outing, um, because I expected Aston Villa to uh, start well. But uh, Bournemouth, you know, uh, uh, I think both the goals were, um, you know, it ended up at the back of the net after a set-piece. Like, not through a set-piece exactly, but after the play through a a set-piece. So, uh, I think Lamar and uh, Solange scored, I guess. Uh, So, it was a good match, a good um, resilient opening from Bournemouth. And Aston Villa has to, uh, you know, uh, has to start winning against these kind of teams because they have uh, a lot of good players in their ranks, but they couldn't, you know, convert um, the chances that they had. And um, another surprising result would be uh, the Leeds versus Wolves match because we never knew what we would get from these two sets. I wasn't sure what we would get because people were building up Wolves. And uh, people were saying Leeds might struggle because uh, they lost a couple of their um, start players. So this was again an uh, uh, intriguing uh, result, right? Uh, Bulls uh, scoring first uh, through Odden's, and uh, you know uh, Leeds uh, fighting back and um, emerging victorious um, after you know a good performance at the end, right? Yes.
1: So, it was a very open game. Both the teams attacked very well. Uh, as we know, Leeds is known for taking those chances. They are bound to concede for, uh, for those chances which they take. But overall, uh, Leeds was the better team attacking-wise as in uh, finishing the product. There was a penalty shout uh, where Sa uh, just went and rammed into a defender. So, there were few chances uh, which would have made this match maybe a 3-1 or a 4-1. But uh, overall, Leeds were the better team and they deserved victory. But Wolves also, uh, in attack, they were very good. Uh, And in future, both the teams uh, will attack. Uh, They are known for attacking. Uh, So, a very good game to watch. And it was a very open game. So, it was fun to watch. Yeah. So, uh, Nottingham Forest was the next,
0: um, you know, um, uh, new team uh, on the block. uh, But uh, Newcastle, absolutely... Uh, dominated that game um, throughout the match and uh, uh, it was um, you know a convincing performance from Newcastle at the end with the 2-0 win uh, and uh, so now we have discussed the three uh, newcomers and it's fair to say that um, Pulam and Bournemouth um, have done their homework, and um, if they continue to um, have that um, you know that courage and uh, have that motivation to keep playing like this they could um, you know uh, move up from the uh, bottom uh, bottom three they can uh, we are too early into the season but um, and it's very difficult to sustain this but this is a promising start for both the sides and uh, i would say um, Spurs match was the most impressive of the, the matches because um, they went one down, and um, we were all uh, you know waiting patiently for uh, Conte's side uh, since they had a lot of sensible and uh, pragmatic uh, you know additions to their side, especially what Conte wanted, and um, they had one of the best transfer windows uh, among all the sides, right? Yeah, so this was a great match in which we could see what uh, Conte was planning with his, uh, you know, wingbacks and uh, Sessignol was all over the, um, you know, the Southampton back then. uh, And uh, it was fun to watch what Perisic could also bring eventually, like we could see the, uh, you know, the uh, plan from Conte. And uh, uh, even after going 1-down, they stick to their plans and executed um, everything that Conte would have wanted. Uh, what was
1: your take on this? So, as you mentioned, the wing-backs, those are the most important players in a Conte system. And we saw whenever the ball was on the right-hand side, the left wing-back was in the box. Along with Kuluse, maybe a Kane, Son or, and the left wing-back. Whenever the ball was on the left-hand side, the right wing-back was in the box. We saw both the backs getting attacking returns. Sessignon got a goal. Emerson Royal got two assists. So, those are the best players to uh, like they have upgraded them as well. We have Perisic and Doherty who both are known for their attacking uh, prowess as well. So, it will be really fun to see how they cope up. Conte also said that uh, he wanted the uh, original players that are the who players from the last season to get the more game time and they had to prove why they were in the starting team and the uh, substitutes or maybe the signings this summer uh, they have to again prove key why they are better than them so he gave chance to session and uh, emerson royal Unle- like we always knew uh, perisage was his favorite but he still didn't start him so this uh, gives that wing back competition a good fun way and we can see how they will fight for it and it's always entertaining we saw how uh, kane was a bit deep and both the wing backs, Kulisevsky's son, all four of those made those runs into the box, and it was just fun to see. And Southampton, uh, as we predicted, might be the third team which might get relegated or on the verge of relegation. And we saw why, because their defense is in absolute shambles. Uh, and I'm not expecting much from Southampton. So let's see uh how they play out as well. But a good game for Spurs, so, and it was a deserved yeah. result. So, I think the man of the match would be Kajan um, Kuliszycki uh,
0: because uh, he was outstanding. Uh, because the balls which he uh, put in from the left, uh, from the right side were like crazy good. And um, he is someone who is continuing to impress from the day he has signed right? Um, he has been um, a revelation in FPL as well uh, with a lot of people uh, taking him in his side last year. and um, this year, I guess uh, his pricing is a bit high, but uh, I think um, he is one person who will again, you know um, impress us this season as well. So um, next up we have um, Everton versus Chelsea. And if you um, <clears throat> look at the matches, uh, you would say the tough matches would be uh, like just because of the preseason that uh, Chelsea had. Uh, Everton also had a really bad preseason, but Chelsea had to prove themselves in this uh, match. They had to start off winning, just like how um, you know how United would have wanted because even though um, there were some issues, um chelsea has gone out and won the match and uh, they have uh, showed that um, you know whatever happened in the past in the pre-season in uh, whatever happened in the uh, ownership at chelsea to shell is like um, let's perform on the pitch let's get let's get through uh, the matches one by one and then we'll see because this could have also gone wrong. Everton was playing uh, well yeah. because we know uh, at Goodison, Everton would uh, would be um, a, a difficult Dumb-dipers. side. You, you can beat them, but it's just that they will be more, you know, um, yeah. determined to uh, put on a uh, better performance at their home ground because that's what they were doing uh, last season towards the end to um, escape relegation. So Chelsea. Um, there was a tweet uh, in which um, you could see Sterling making runs. But, surprise, surprise, who is giving him the ball this time? It's not Kevin Dubroina. it's um, Kante or sometimes Jorginho who are in that central position when uh, Sterling is making those runs and they didn't even see his runs, to be honest. So, uh, Sterling was moving... uh, Uh, Well, he had a couple of good chances as well. Uh, But uh, Chelsea are definitely lacking in terms of a fluid attack. Uh, We could see a lot of shots from outside the box. You know, and um, I always say that there are tipping points in matches. So, um, uh, you can say that uh, maybe that tackle uh, by Decore on... um, you know, Chilwell, that tipped the match uh, in uh, Chelsea's favour. Because um, up till that point, Everton were you know, they were going toe-to-toe with uh, Chelsea as well. Even um, uh, the uh, midfield uh, from Chelsea, you know, um, was a bit lacking, which needs attention, I guess. And that's what Tuchel is trying to do right now. But uh, my concern with Chelsea is that uh, their recruitment is like uh, what do you call it, a ping pong? <laughs> they are called the hijack FC right now. So <laughs> um, it's like let's see what the other managers want, wants, and then we will go after uh, them because uh, those players are already uh, you know certified by some other manager. It almost feels like that. You know how their recruitment is happening in some areas. Uh, so. Uh, that is a concern for Chelsea. And if they had, uh, you know, started off with a defeat, then we would have got a lot more attention on this uh, Chelsea side.
1: Right? Yes. So, just to uh, sum it up, you said perfectly, The main Sterling made those runs, he came back, he had his time. But, as you said, no one is there to supply. Their best passer in midfield, which is probably Kovacic, I don't know, for some reason, Tuchel doesn't like him or doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't prefer him to start. And Jorginho and Kante are not known for their balls. They progress progress the ball, but they are not a progressive passer. So again, that is something they should work on. Kovacic is their best passer of the ball, who currently doesn't feature in the starting 11 for some reason. Again, one more thing, Sterling made those runs, but what Sterling is known for is he can attack the space, but there should be someone who can uh, drag those other defenders towards him, so he can attack that space. So a forward, maybe like as they are going for Oba, I'm not sure about Oba being a Barca fan. Deepai was the best option, who likes to uh, take the players like towards him and can create space for others to run in. So that is kind of a player profile which Sterling like f- uh, can play better with. So those are the two parts where Chelsea should definitely look for. They are going for Oba. As Fabrizio tweeted today. So let's see what happens. And for the defense, uh, Kula Bali, what a defender. Probably a bet. I don't know. But in my opinion, he was an upgrade on Rudiger. He played that left center oh, back role very call. well. Yes. <laughs> he played that left center back role very well. That pass for the Chilwell penalty, perfectly. Perfect pass. He angled his body well to just uh, slip that pass through. So a very good player. With Chelsea have got. They are going for Fofana. So, let's see how it turns out to be. Where will Fofana play? Where will uh, Kulabali play? Whether he moves to right centre-back? So, there are quite a few questions but the most impressive player for me was Kulabali. Their wing-backs, I wasn't very impressed. Uh, what we ex- expect from James is a good performance but he was very dull on the day and didn't provide too many good balls in the box and whatever he's known for. So, overall... They were like Chelsea will be happy to get the three points, or else they might have struggled some for it. So they should be happy they got all the three points and move on and look to further strengthen the team uh, in the remaining three weeks of the transfer window. Yeah, Yeah. so Sunday had some uh, big hitters playing uh,
0: United and City uh, match and. uh... Um, Leicester was 2-2 against Brentford, Uh, Brentford showed character to uh, come back, Tony uh, was there again um, and uh, Leicester would be disappointed at the result, Um, but um, Brentford, uh, I thought they would struggle to score goals uh, because addiction left, but um, you know, uh, what is, um, you know, uh, mark of this Brentford side is the character they show sometimes right uh, not every day but they have that spirit in them um, and you can't write them off uh, uh, you know in matches so let's discuss the two uh, big hitters city <clears throat> against west ham uh, we had a um, very uh you know um, a big player uh, making his debut the most uh, we can say the most awaited uh, debut of uh, the premier league this uh, season which was uh, you know allen and um, he was impressive to uh, you know to say the least uh, but uh, you know it, it sometimes looks as if it's not fair like a superhuman figure playing in the uh, you know attacking line of uh, city because city. the way he runs, the aggression, the um, the strength, the pace, you know, the understanding of the game and uh, something which is not yet a complete uh, piece uh, by no means because um, scoring two goals is not the end with Pep because you know, right, Pep wants something and even if you score two goals, he might not be happy with you. So, so Halland was uh, impressive and he is on penalty duties as well. That it looks like he is on penalty duties as well. And, uh, you know, the um, uh, the acceleration that he showed uh, to beat the keeper uh, to win a penalty. And I didn't see him even appeal for the penalty. Like, he just went down. He's like... I, I, he didn't even appeal for that. He, he knew it. Like, he had done the goalkeeper at that point of time. And... Um, the passing was from gundagon it was a perfectly weighted pass and uh, he took it away from the goalkeeper and won the penalty and <clears throat> up till then just like i would say for the chelsea match west ham were you know they were as as usual they were uh, you know trying it very uh, trying to make it very difficult for city to you know cut through them and these are points in uh, games which can you know Uh, Especially for a side like City, who found a lot of space in behind after they scored the first goal. Where we saw the second goal, which was a typical Bundesliga goal. Uh, The likes of uh, Werner and uh, Haaland, who would be scoring uh, with with space in behind the defence and they would just run onto the ball. And the goalkeeper's positioning was a bit, you know... um, off but um, it was a cool finish from hallen and uh, this is something we would be accustomed to uh, once um, Hallen sets into the uh, team it was by no means a you know a perfect performance i would say because city are way better than this uh, but uh, uh, away from home at west ham is a very difficult match for any side um uh, moyes makes sure that uh, you don't get easy three points uh, uh, with West Ham. So, yeah, that was a good match to watch, actually.
1: What do you think? Yes. So, as you mentioned, uh, City, I thought, never went to a second gear or third gear. They were just cruising in their first gear. Uh, so, as you said, there are a lot of layers for this City team to score more goals, be more dominant and in future matches. But West Ham, uh, even Mois said he's in post-match uh, conference. Uh, that he was taken aback by the two fullbacks coming as pivots, playing as pivots and passing those half spaces and uh, balls in those spaces. They were quite uh, taken aback by that and they couldn't understand how to stop it. That was what Moes said is in press uh, post-match conference. So this is something Pep did brilliantly, uh, playing those two wingbacks mm-hmm. as uh, DMs and using them We know what Canceler can do when he plays as the DM. His passing accuracy is very good. And the second goal for Haaland, what we can say, that was never a City goal. In the past seasons, I would never think that was a City goal or City can score that kind of goal. That was a typical Haaland goal, which is the thing which gives City like an extra dimension in other games as well. Like Even now, City can score those kind of goals as well. So again, City was already a very... Uh, dominant side and had various attacking uh, outlets but now this another attacking Arsenal which they have so it will be a very interesting thing to watch Man City I am very, very buzzing to see Man City in future games and how they cope up with this Yeah, yeah.
0: considering the fact that um, Liverpool lost uh, points, City are off to a great start now and it's those one or two points which will eventually, uh, you know, be the difference at the end of the season. Because these are two top sides who don't slip up usually. And um, uh, so, speaking of slip ups, uh, we have uh, Manchester United who are made it a habit of, you know, uh, disappointing their fans. And um, no surprises here. Uh, you, have, you can put an emoji saying that. Uh, disappointed but not surprised because (laughs) that is the (laughs) that is what I felt and some of the match uh, you can say that three goals were scored in the match and none of them were by United players so that's the match (laughs) entirely because um, Dan Potter uh, did a job on Eric Danhag and said welcome to the Premier League this is how we do it here and uh, this was a very impressive performance by Brighton. Uh, they almost played a uh, very, you know, uh, almost a 3 3 uh, 1 uh, with well back up front. And, uh, you know, the uh, wing backs who were like wingers only with uh, Trossard and uh, March, I think, uh, playing on the left and right. And like we discussed in the uh, season, uh, Preview podcast. Uh, I told you, like Dalot doesn't cover himself in glory uh, when he plays against a well uh, oil side because within uh, the first minute, I think uh, Dalot was pressed. Uh, I think by Trossard, and that was the first, you know, the big movement of the match within the first one minute. I think so. Um, so we can see that the personnel. First of all, you can see that the personnel is not there for uh, Eric Tanhag. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, even going forward, Ericsson playing as number nine um, is questionable. Um, even, uh, I don't know, I'm not a huge Ronaldo fan, but I think I would play an unfit Ronaldo over, uh, you know, playing Ericsson as number and Maybe Maybe Hag was, um, you know... Uh, Trying to put his foot down, saying like you didn't, you weren't there for the preseason, so you sit. So I, so that was a statement, but uh, you know that didn't justify. You know uh, the uh, tactics was not good enough because um, uh, we were pressed on the uh, right moments, and uh, Brighton played through us through long balls from Sanchez. Because I was reading an article in which they were saying usually Brighton has nine percent of their uh, long balls in a uh, in a match they play nine percent long balls uh, and um, this time versus united they played 13 percent of their uh, big uh their, their long balls uh, were played by brighton so that is a clear shift which took uh, eric tanhag and united off guard because they were not expecting it because i think in the press conference or Ten Hag was saying like uh, see uh, we stopped them because they were not uh, playing out from the back so he expected them to play out from the attack and they clearly didn't and um, they played a very ingenious um, formation to stop our uh, you know uh, our uh, two fullbacks uh, from attacking as well um, and we didn't see much of Lokshu or Dalot. Dalot was, you know, and every time we watch Dalot, I feel very sad because he's not offering anything on in the attacking friend as well because he was in a good position in a couple of uh, attacking moments, but he failed to find the uh, right person or his teammate at that time. And just like I was telling for the uh, Chelsea match, uh, one moment which could have changed the outcome of the match. And we would have been saying that uh, you know United are not looking good, but they grinded out a result. That would have been that um, Bruno Fernandes chance in the sixth minute which might have uh, tipped the match in favor of united because united is a very you know confident based side um, once they you know get a goal they can you know move, move on and uh, uh, finish the game off sometimes uh, but that didn't happen and uh, brighton were uh, dominant in most of the uh, first half and the second half, um, United tried to get back into the game but again they didn't score the goal. It was their own goal. So, it was just the pressure uh, which uh, caved but not the finishing from United which you would be you would expect. Even Rashford had a, uh, had a beautiful chance which was called as offside but uh, looking at the replay, I didn't think Ronaldo was offside. It was a brilliant uh, run by him but um, um, you know rashford is definitely not in his prime like he is not confident at all he couldn't meet San- uh, Sanchez in that uh, open post almost like he couldn't do that so uh, yeah what was your take on united and uh, the brighton match
1: <laughs> so you put it up very well uh there was a another post match uh post match uh interview which I was seeing from Lalana so you said uh, Sanchez played 13% of his balls as long balls. So, uh, he in the He uh, played in the interview, more long balls, 13%. Yes.
0: Long in balls and Sanchez
1: played a lot of it. Yeah. Yes. In the interview, Lalana mentioned that they knew from the preseason that United were very good at pressing in the initial stage. So, they always uh, had that plan of playing long ball outs because that would put the players in a state of confusion to what to do. If their main thing is not happening, so what to do? So that was their clear plan, which worked out. You mentioned it uh, yourselves. And the second thing was Fred was a pressing trigger for them. So Lalana mentioned briefly. Whenever Fred received the ball, it was a pressing trigger. And uh, initially, when they pressed twice or thrice, Fred started making mistakes, and they uh, yeah. grew more confident about it. So you can desperately see why Eric Tenak needs a Frankie deong in that position. Because he knows yeah. how he can take the ball, how he can progress the ball ahead, and how we know Fred is not able to do, and how easily the opponents can target Fred and use him as a pressing yeah. trigger. So there yeah. are certain things which we can clearly see why Eric Tenang wants, but whether they are getting it or not, that's a differently uh, different story. Yeah. For so, the uh, I was I was surprised because
0: in the preseason he played four two three one, and. Um... Uh, with, uh, you know, uh, two pivots. But this time he went for uh, Fred as a long pivot and, uh, you know, M- McTominay played higher up and Fernandez played uh, also on the left side. So, basically, Fred was, uh, you know, outnumbered and um, he didn't have anyone close in midfield to give the outlet to. So, that was something which surprised me because I thought he would stick with the formation that he was using in the pre-season and uh, Lissandro uh, Martinez was also another surprise because he started because I thought um, if Malaysia is holding him back for low-show, I thought um, uh, someone else would start Lindblok, someone would start because they know the Premier League better and he found it difficult with Welbeck, you know, I don't know how but Welbeck, Lelanda these kind of, you know, defense players um they come out and perform against united they have something to prove you know they will every time i was surprised when the commentator said this was the first time brighton has won against united at all preferred because every match i watched against brighton i see that brighton is dominating brighton is a well-oiled team because they have been playing together for a long time now and um uh, every time I see United play Brighton, I just close my eyes and hope, like somehow, some personal, uh, you know, uh, brilliance would win us the match because there is no way United can compete with a uh, well-structured team like uh, Brighton in the past three years because we were in shambles for, you know, uh, for for uh, a lot of time in the past when. Um, after graham took over we have always struggled against the that side yeah so enough said let's move on to the next slide which is uh, you know another uh, banner material uh something which i fail to understand is that you know um eric tenhack said uh, that um you know, it's not about going for players. It's about signing the right players. In pre-season, this is what he said. See, it's it's about signing the right person. It's not about, I don't want a lot of signings. You know, I want the right person for the right uh, position. And then after you lose one match, you see headlines like you are, uh, you know, going for Marco Arnautovic and, uh, you know, Rabiot. And um, that makes me feel very, you know. Surprised? Uh, I would say I'm not surprised. That's not the word. I don't know. I I feel like they have you know um, I have placed a bit of trust in uh, Aritana and the you know the new structure that have they have in place, and uh, they are not living up to what I expected them to um, do because I thought there would be a coherent plan. We are not going to sign unless we have the right players, but then uh, they go out and go for Marco Arnato, which I can't believe that. Like That is the, uh, you know, that is the uh, perfect example of a panic buy for United, I would say. And, uh, and and they pulled out because fans, you know, the fans said they don't like it, like, typical, you know. <laughs> but Not
1: at least because, they pulled out. Know, they,
0: yeah, that, thankfully. I don't know how I would have justified if they had this deal had gone through. Because, you know, I feel very, uh, to be honest, I feel very sad for uh, Eric Hag because uh, like we said in the season um, preview podcast that um, he was not given the people or the personnel that he wanted or he would have wanted to, you know, uh, take United, uh, and reduce the gap with the top sides because um, at the end of the day, it's McFred who is playing mid- midfield and we have a couple of signings, but but it's not good enough. You know, It's not good enough to be a top fourth side right now.
1: right? That is true. So, I could feel all the feelings as an United fan coming out, the rant kind of stuff. So, as an outsider, <laughs> i genuinely don't know uh, as you said wa- what they are doing panic buying really again the main thing is juventus are going for paradis who plays as psg so i have seen quite a lot of psg matches and i know for sure paradis will be a very good upgrade so instead of going for rabiot my whole thing was why don't united go for paradis because he's a very good upgrade on your current midfield and he understands the role and he's kind of frankie de jong in progressing the ball so, I can understand, but again, I'm also uh, lost for words why they're going for Rabio. And again, uh, U- uh, United fans and uh, United pundits and everyone were complaining how Pogba was uh, a toxic thing to the whole dressing room and kind of stuff. So, even we have heard news of Rabiot, how his mother, uh, when he was playing for Juventus, made things like worse for his teammates and for the manager. So, again, it's something which United is circling back again to what they eventually complained and made Pogba go. It's coming back to that thing only. So I'm just hoping for United to make some sensible signings. Rabiot is kind of still will do a better job than what MacFred are doing currently. That I understand completely, but he's not someone who can make you challenge top four in the Premier League currently. So I am again not sure. In the upcoming days, I hope there will be more signings. And uh, for Frankie young I think it's over. United, he won't be going to United. So yeah. now it's. Uh, I even read there is some internal uh, like agreement on uh, Frankie won't be joining. So they are looking out for options. So Rabiat was uh, never a, a like substitute for Frankie young He was always considered. That's what the reports are. But I am not sure at this point what's happening. It is. It's just by a panic buying for us to see as an outsider. So there is nothing more to explain. I just hope they get one or two decent players with Eric, and I can work with. And at least they can challenge for the fifth place. At least minimum that is what required. So let's see. That is the hope I have for United. Yeah.
0: So moving on, uh, we have uh, you know uh, my favorite uh, club. Barcelona and their, you know, antiques uh, that is what we will be discussing and um, I am going to stop ranting and um, the stale is all yours.
1: Uh, yeah. So for the past couple of weeks or maybe 3-4 weeks, you can see every English uh, media guy or reporter coming on to Barcelona making things look like it's the worst thing they are doing or it's not just right, morally right Whereas in the past, many clubs have done, which is far higher order, like higher up the order than what Barcelona is doing. I understand because it's quite a lot of players who were supposed to go to these English clubs like United, Chelsea are being snubbed from there. Uh, that's why even the fans are reacting and those journalists are getting their tweets, engagements and everything. But most of the journalists are uh, do not have the complete knowledge what they have. They, they just uh, take out words and... Uh, Put it out as what suits their agenda. So again, here uh, which you could see, board for not being paid, not for being paid wages. This was for Braithwaite. So again, uh, this is a half statement. Correct. Uh, He was not just board for not like being paid wages. So he wanted a letter of freedom, which is basically he won't get like Barca won't get any money for his sale. Whereas there are two, three clubs. Even Brighton went for Braithwaite, and they were ready to offer. million 10 million or some amount but he wanted to uh like uh get a letter of freedom which uh ensures that he goes on a free transfer and all the money which barca will get eventually goes to him so he has a offer from saudi arabia uh which uh like currently plays the three pays three times more what he's earning at barcelona so it's again it's a half thing which all the journalists are saying and you could see bayern munich's uh ceo also mentioned Whether like, will Barcelona exist in two years? So this is all the rumors and murmurs, things which are going out in the uh, social media and everything is half uh, correct and half which suits their agenda. So, but on the other hand, you could see even Real Betis who signed the CVC deal, which was offered to a lot of teams in La Liga. It's a media uh, thing where they sell their rights. Even they are not able to register their six new signings. So as per the FFP in Spain, It's very tough, uh, considering all the things. It's not as uh, fluid or anything. And a lot of clubs, not just Real Betis, Valencia, Sevilla. And there are a few more clubs which are struggling to uh, register their new signings. But did you hear any of those uh, clubs being mentioned? No, right? Because the agenda is against Barcelona. Because they are -hmm. are the worst club. They are doing everything wrong.
0: You know, uh, someone uh, before this podcast, someone texted me saying that, you know, the worst thing about Barcelona is that their fans still end up supporting them, while United will at least say let's boycott uh, the Liverpool match, because that is exactly what is on show here, right now. So, so I don't expect anything else from you. And, yeah. So,
1: just, uh, yeah. just to end this, uh, I agree, Frankie De Jong is an exception the way board has gone on uh, and to- treated him. It's not right, because he loves the club. It's his dream club he always wanted to play. And so, it is not uh, right side uh, like on the right foot they could have always yeah. uh, uh, like spoke with him in other ways as well so that is the only wrong thing which i feel other things are gamble which barcelona might have to pay in the future years if they don't win and whole laporta uh, story and whole laporta aim is that he always wanted a team which will win on pitch so everything uh, like uh, uh, everything apart from that like tickets fans uh, and everything, money, will eventually come if the team wins on field. So that is his uh, basic ideology. So he's going for that. So again, everything is fair. I don't uh, like uh, see the wrong uh, things. Only thing is Frankie Dion could have been dealt in a better way, uh, which even being a far- Barca fan, I feel sorry for him because he's a Barca fan again, his dream club and everything. So that is the only problem I see. Yeah, so we are in the forty-seventh minute. We
0: have, um, you know, gone beyond our um, time. So let's um, quickly uh, round up and uh, uh, discuss the rest of the uh, agenda for the day. Um, so this is yes. League One overview, which we'll go through very quickly because uh, we don't want to overshoot the time. Cool. Yeah, my go ahead. But... Yes.
1: So in League One, every uh, team which you thought would win won their matches. The only uh, 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 surprising result was for Nice, who played very badly. And Toulouse, who is a promoted team, they absolutely like showed them. Uh, it was just like Fulham-Liverpool. They showed they can give a fight to any team. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain played very well. It was against a, another promoted team. It was always destined to be a 3-0, 4-0. But the Neymar-Messi vibes uh, from yeah, old definitely. Barca is, is what I very well connected to and I enjoyed yeah. it. Monaco, again, started on the right foot. They uh, got a red card in the first half at 27th minute or something. So, we just see 2-1 or else it would have been 3-4 final in the first half itself. They played very well. And uh, Olympiacos, Lacazette made his debut. He assisted and scored one. And they were on their merry route to win the match. Uh, uh, In the second half, they were a bit uh, dicey here and there. But they secured their win and it was good to see so all the major teams winning so nothing to uh, uh, as of now uh, play as of now Only Marcel as well the uh, the team which is supposed to be finish second uh, it's what my prediction is even they had a convincing victory they didn't start with payet who is their key player they brought on payet there is some uh, murmurs going on there is not uh, the best relations between the manager and the players but let's see how it develops in the future But every major team winning the league and it's straightforward as of now, for the first game week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for me, uh, PSG looks like a good side right now. And um, they are contenders for the UCL this time. Uh, Because quietly, they have done their business and they have a solid side uh, right now. And uh, the league one is never in question, but um, let's see if they can, uh, you know, go where no man has done, uh, has gone before, uh, in terms of uh, from the uh, Paris point of view. Uh, So, moving on to Bundesliga. um, Again, uh, the big surprise was that uh, Bayern won Uh, (laughs) 6-1. Like we discussed uh, in the uh, previous show, that uh, Bayern would. Uh, you know, run away with it in the end. That could happen because the early signs are like that and I had discussed that Bayern uh, just moving away from a, uh, from their traditional, uh, you know, that uh, lone striker who could score a 30-40 goal approach to uh, a well-oiled side who can uh, chip with goals from everywhere. Everyone in the team, in the front three or four can, you know, Chip in with goals. So that is exactly what we uh, saw in the match. And uh, to uh, add to that, in the last two matches, I think that's the Super Cup and in the uh, first league uh, match, Ban has had five different scorers. So I'll just leave it there because that is exactly what we predicted with Mane, Sane, and um, Ganapri, you know, coming in with Muller as well. And uh, Jamal Musiala was very impressive with two goals. Uh, he's a 19-year-old kid who has impressed in this match and will be a promising player moving forward. And Joshua kimich uh, started the, uh, you know, the onslaught with a uh, freak which I didn't even see because there was smoke coming in uh, and I couldn't even see it going in. I'm sure the keeper also didn't see it because it was, um, you know, 30, 40 yards away from a very difficult angle. And Kimmich, for his technicality, uh, did uh, what uh, most people wouldn't uh, go for, uh, you know, an audacious um, free kick, and it went in. So, which was followed by Benjamin Poward, who scored. Um, Uh, Another goal he also scored in the Super Cup as well, and Mane uh, the debutant um, scored a header. uh, And uh, for me, the uh, man of the match was Gnabry um, because he uh, scored, he assisted, he was everywhere, he was orchestrating the play for Bayern Munich. Yeah, so the next team would be uh, by Dortmund. Uh, and they uh, won a very tight match, 1 uh, 0 against Bayern Leverkusen, which was, we predicted this to, to be a tight match. And it proved to be a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, very feisty affair with um, Marco Ruiz scoring, and Bellingham and um, uh, Ademi uh, were very impressive. Um, uh, and uh, that was the result uh, from Dortmund. And uh, Bayern has, and Dortmund has started off uh, with a win. And uh, another update from the Bundesliga is that uh, the superstar is back. Don't worry if you have lost uh, Lewandowski and Holland. Uh, the uh, the rightful heir is back with Werner <laughs> joining joining Leipzig. <laughs> and uh, you know, Sesko is also set to join yes, yes. Uh, Leipzig in 2023 somewhere. Yes. And yeah. Uh, so, that is another update from the Bundesliga and that would, you know, uh, bol- bolster the uh, Leipzig uh, attack. Uh, yeah, that is something we are looking forward to uh, because Werner is going to run rights again uh, in the Bundesliga. So, uh, that is the quick overview from uh, the Bundesliga. Um, rest, uh, what else do we have?
1: So, let's move on That's to the that, right? Super Cup Yes, yeah. for today.
0: Yeah. So Real Madrid versus Frankfurt um, at the Olympic Stadium uh, will be happening tonight, and uh, we are all looking forward to this match. With Real Madrid, uh, you know, I expect uh, Real Madrid to win this. What do you think? But Frankfurt is a cup, uh, you know, specialist side. Um, but they got just thrashed by Bayern in sixth one But you know, uh, in this one of matches, Frankfurt um, can surprise you. But Real Madrid, again, you know, they know how to get over the line. So, something which we are looking forward to tonight.
1: So, Real Madrid has just played three games in their preseason, if I'm correct. And one was against Barcelona, which I saw. So, they looked a bit rusty in the first game. But the Juventus game, they were good. Uh, so, again, just three games. So, I won't judge uh, them. So, probably a narrow win for Real Madrid, maybe a 2-1. Because the player quality in Madrid is absolutely phenomenal and even if Frankfurt tries to do something, I think Madrid has the option and their midfield trio of Cruz, uh, Modric and Casemiro plus the new ones, Tushameni, uh, Kamavinga and uh, others uh, would be enough to get their, get them a win. So it's a good outing for Madrid to be a competitive preseason friendly, which they have a title online. So I predict 2-1 for Madrid. That's my prediction. Mm.
0: Even I think Real Madrid would come up uh, and win it. I think it would be 2 0. Let's see how it goes tonight. Yeah. So, what else do we have? Uh, this is uh, FPL uh, side from our podcast. We, we are planning to do a special uh, episode for FPL later on um, as we move forward with uh, you know, Never On side. And uh, Mayur is the pro uh, FPL player. Uh, He has uh, finished in the uh, top uh, section in a lot of uh, years. And he's a go-to man. And I'll be just interviewing him basically uh, going forward. Uh, So this is Mayur starting off with 72 points. And uh, uh, I got 53 points. The uh, difference here was Halen. And as soon as I saw that Haaland was on penalty duties, I went and uh, got him Uh, and I took off uh, uh, Jesus and so on for Haaland and uh, Uh, Saka. So I couldn't pair, you know, a a Bournemouth game at home, you know, and we expect City to roll over, uh, like, um, um, dominate that match. So that is what I have been for. What have you done?
1: I will be saving the transfer. It was the plan from beginning. I just hope Kane wouldn't uh, um, like outscore Haaland and that's what happened in the end, so I was very happy. My team is a very template team, so very happy with it for the time being. Just saving the transfer and in Game Week 3, I would be taking a minus four, so maybe doing a mini wildcard kind of a thing, three transfers to just go and attack on players which we have seen for the first two weeks. That is the plan as of now
0: yeah so uh for, uh for those of you guys who haven't uh, joined our league yet uh we have a very exciting league uh, and uh, the league code is in the description as well as on the screen right now so do join us and compete with us let's see um how you fare with mayur um yeah so that's it we'll um, do a separate uh, video for FPL later on uh once we settle in yeah so that's it For
1: this episode of Never On Site. Yep. Yes. So So do let us follow. Like do follow us on Instagram. We have a page on Instagram. We also upload podcasts on Apple uh, iPodcast and Spotify. And we are planning to do live streams of this podcast in future on our YouTube channel. YouTube channel again. The name is Never On Site. All the links can be found out in the descriptions wherever you are listening. Or if you are watching on YouTube. This will be uploaded as a video as well. So do follow us if you are uh, curious and uh, if you want to join with us in future. We're definitely looking forward to uh, and do follow us on all our socials. Yes, and that's it for this. That is
0: that is Mayur and Joseph signing off.
1: Yes, thank you.